0: Hey, I want to welcome you to Coastal Community Church's online sermons, and uh, before you watch this sermon, first of all, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch, and uh, we do want you to know that uh, this is a tool to encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, to grow closer to Him and walk with Him. Uh, we, however, at Coastal, I hold a deep belief that uh, this should not supplement your attendance at a local church. We believe deeply in a local church, and so while we, uh, this sermon is a, is a supplement for you, we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church, find a local pastor. Uh, if you're in our community, uh, in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to attend with us. We have three services on Sunday morning, 8:15, 15, 9, 45, and eleven fifteen. And uh, we'd love for you to join us in one of those services. Good morning. Good morning. We've got an uh, exciting message for you today because we're talking about the gospel. We are coastal because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. Buckle up, because we're going to be going a lot through the Scripture so that we can understand the Gospel, and not just the Gospel, our response to the Gospel and how we, to, how we are to live out the Gospel and so what's exciting is, as we look at this, and as we kind of begin, we want to look at Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus is, tells us two parables. He's teaching, and um, there's, it's, Matthew 13 is just basically a little tons of parables and explanations of parables. And um, Jesus gives us two parables as he's teaching this crowd, and uh, disciples, and he teaches them about the importance of the gospel or the kingdom of heaven, the life-changing message and work of Christ, how he changes and transforms us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it's the parable of the hidden treasure. Let me read it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Precious Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus and we ask, Lord God, that you would convict us, that you would purify us, that you would open us up to the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And we ask, Lord God, that you would transform us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. He that began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You Lord, you started a work in us, and we ask, Lord God, that you would complete it until your return. And Lord Jesus, as always, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's start by looking. If you have your notes, pull them out. There's a series of questions that I want to ask, and then I want to kind of get into this idea of the gospel. Gospel means good news. It is a happy time. It is a happy story. It is, a ha- it, it is good news. Now, why is this important? What is God's plan? Why is this good news? Or why is this God's plan from the beginning? Who benefits from the good news How do we get the good news and what do we do with it? And does the good news stop being good news once I have it? See, because here's the deal. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was expecting this just incredible transformation and that my life would totally be different. And I would just be like, oh. This is amazing. And the sky would be bluer and the grass would be greener. And because what did the pastor say? What did the preacher say? He said, give your life to Jesus Christ and he will radically change your life. And you think, wow, I want love. I want joy. I want peace. I want everything in 3D. I want everything in color. And all of a sudden you give your life to Christ and what happens? Hardship sometimes, and you're like, man, that preacher lied. (laughs) Difficulty, this isn't as easy as I thought. Conviction when I sin, I used to be able to sin and not feel any conviction. Now I feel guilty about doing wrong. All of a sudden, there's this transfer, there's a transformation that's taking place, and all of a sudden, you're like, wow, there's a battle that takes place within my soul. And here's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is this is not new. Let's go all the way back to the garden. Now, does anybody know who wrote Genesis? Moses. Moses wrote Genesis. And Moses had an interesting insight as he's writing the first five books of the Old Testament. And then this creation account, Moses describes the creation account as if someone were building a temple to a god. Now, you need to understand this. Now, Moses understood Egyptian practices, and and pagan worship. And what they would do is they would build a temple to the God that they were worshiping. And they would make it extremely ornate to reflect the goodness and greatness of this God or this deity that they were worshiping. And so Moses uses the same language in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And he describes how each day there was this incredible beautiful temple that was being built called planet earth. And, and everyone on the, like Eastern, Eastern scholars don't debate this. And Eastern people that understand this and understand temple worship, they understand that at the very end of building this temple ornate to reflect this deity, what do they stick in the very middle of the temple? They stick a deity, an image, a carved image of that deity in the middle of the temple to reflect, to look like, to be exactly like the deity in whom they're worshiping, okay? So I know some of your brains are going, it's 8, man, it's eight minutes, 8.30 in the morning. What's the pastor doing? Here's the deal. This is important for us to understand because God created us, Adam and Eve, God created us in the image of God and we are God's image bearers. So God creates this beautiful temple, planet Earth. All of it reflects the greatness and beauty of our God. Romans 1 says that when you look up into the heavens, you could see the greatness and beauty of God because it reflects God's handiwork. The glory of God, the heavens reveal his handiwork and who he is. And then what does he do is the defining crescendo of this temple, planet Earth, he puts in the middle of the temple us created in his image to reflect him, to reflect the beauty and greatness of God. See, here, hear this, understand this. That's why there's eternal themes within us that resonate. That's why there's certain movies that reflect these, these themes in life and all of us, all humankind resonates with these themes Themes like redemption. And that's what Star Wars is all about, the fall and redemption of Darth Vader. Redemption resonates with us. What else resonates? Forgiveness. Themes like forgiveness. Against unbelievable odds, forgiveness. These are themes that resonate with us, not just us as Christians, but people that don't know Christ or don't even believe in God, these themes resonate with them and they stir something within them. Because why? We were created in the image of God, to reflect God. That was how we were created. Things like resurrection, like coming back from the dead or something that life everlasting, this idea of immortality, superhuman greatness. That's what all the superhero movies are about is living beyond yourself, something greater. These are themes, transformation, courage, humility, love. It's Valentine's Day, love. Did you guys, did, guys, it's Valentine's Day. Just to give you guys a heads up, make sure you, on the way home, stop by Kroger, pick up some flowers for like 80 bucks. It's this idea that all of these eternal themes are because we were created in the image of God, and so our souls resonate with these things because that's how God created us. So, but then what happened? What happened? How come how come that everything is not warm and fuzzy? Well, because of sin. Because of sin. See, God has imprinted eternity in our hearts. Created us in his image, Genesis 1 26 and 27. But Adam and Eve, man's representative and woman's representative, disobeyed God and sinned into the world. C.S. Lewis said this He said, When sin entered the world, the world was completely bent. So instead of looking clearly at God and seeing clearly and being a reflection of God, being created in the image of God, clearly, what happened was everything was bent and no longer could we see clearly. No longer, I mean, Saul, I mean, uh, the apostle Paul says that it was it was really this idea of that we can't see clearly, but one day we'll see clearly, face to face, because of Christ, when we put on incorruption. So it's this idea then that when sin entered the world, there was a, some, some, sin, some horrible things happened. If you're taking notes, here's number one. God created us in his image to reflect God, but instead we sinned, resulting in, I'm gonna give you a, a, a small grocery list, but resulting in, th- in this. Let's go through it. I'll just go through them real fast. First one is immediate spiritual death. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. It says that when you were without Christ, you're spiritually dead. You're dead. What can a dead person do? Nothing. Dead people can do nothing. They can't even decompose. They need oxygen to do that. So dead people can do nothing. And so when you're without Christ, somebody without Christ is spiritually dead. And the sadness is, is that people think that in their deadness that they can do things for Christ or they can do things that are good. They can do things. Dead people can really do nothing spiritually. Second thing is, is this, there are the eventual physical death. So when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden, of the, um, in the, garden the Bible says that they died. Now, they didn't die instantly. They didn't drop over dead in that moment, but they had event, the, the, they spiritually died instantly. But then physical death became. And what happens on the inside eventually comes out on the outside. It doesn't take a huge scholar to figure that out. Something that you're planting in over and over and over again inside you will eventually come out and manifest itself. So Adam and Eve planted death inside them, sin. And what happened was eventually it comes out and manifests itself physically and it's physical death. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says... For by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, therefore death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. It's this idea that as a result of sin, we die. Because Adam and Eve died and they passed it on to us, we die. Slavery to sin, John 8, 34, Jesus said that if you are in sin, you are a slave to sin. That you're a slave to sin, that you, you cannot not sin. You get choice between sin or not sin. When you don't have Christ, you will always choose to sin. Why? Because selfishness rules and reign. We're spiritually dead, we're physically gonna die. We're slaves to sin. Next extreme pride and selfishness of humankind. Romans chapter 10. Everybody turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 10. We'll take a look at this. Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, "'As it is written, there is none righteous, "'no, not one, no one understands.'" Verse 11, "'No one seeks for God. "'All have turned aside together, "'they have become worthless.'" No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps or snakes is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes." This idea of extreme pride and selfishness of what I want to do as opposed to what God wants me to do. At the end of the day, I want what I want. We were created in the image of God. Sin entered the world. The world was bent. These are the results. These are the consequences of sin. We're all born with them. We're all tarnished with them. Next thing is evil or absolute evil. Evil. Romans 3, 13 through 18 talks about this. It's just evil. There's no peace. There's no fear of God. There's no acknowledgement of God in a lot of cases. And evil rules and reign. It's the absence of God, evil. Number, letter F pain, suffering, and eternal void. John 16, What did Jesus say? In the world, you will have tribulation. It's a promise. It's the weirdest promise in the scripture, but Jesus gives it to us nonetheless. But then he said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It's this idea that pain and suffering in an eternal void are there. It's the results of our sin. A lot of times people can't understand of absolute evil or the problem of pain. And, and the reality is this, because of sin taking its logical course in our lives or in humankind, the result will be evil and pain and suffering. It's only by God and his mercy and grace that that's that stopped or, or that subsides or that's paused. Because once we're born, here's a depressing thought, we begin to die. It's kind of a depressing thought. I told that to my son and my son looked at me and goes, Wow. He said, so I'm dying right now. I said, it's kind of depressing, isn't it? And he said, I said, yes. I said, but the good news is because of Christ, you can live forever. There can be a change and a transformation. You can live forever and only have to die once instead of dying twice. But pain, suffering, and an eternal void. The last one is longing and loneliness is increased. I say it's increased because Loneliness was a problem in the garden before sin was a problem. What did, Jesus, what did God say? Jesus, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. He created them in the image of God. But then it says that it's good for man not to be alone. So before even sin entered into the world, something wasn't good, and it was the fact that loneliness was affecting man. So God created a woman for him. And so the, lo- the loneliness was increased, and longing is the same way. Our, we were created in the image of God, and our longing was for God in a healthy way. It was a longing for God. And God, in the cool of the day, remember, would come and he would talk with, he would talk with Adam and Eve. And there was this longing. there was this connection with God. And so that longing and loneliness was cr- increased. It was increased so much that you could see it even in Jesus' life. When he's dying on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22, 1 and 2, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This loneliness and this longing are, are, are unbearable. This is the result of sin. See, God created his image to reflect God, but instead, as image bearers, we are a poor reflection, if not no reflection of God. We're probably still a partial reflection but instead we sinned, and these are the things that result. Wow, that's kind of a downer. Thank God that's not the good news. That's just the bad news. Have to give you the bad news first. Makes the good news sound awesome, right? We got good news. So what happened? God had to intervene on behalf of his creation in two ways. God had to intervene, outside intervention. It's like if we were on a boat and we were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and our boat sank and we had these life preservers and we're in the middle of the ocean, there's nothing we can do. What do we need? We need outside intervention. Same thing. Because of our sin, we're spiritually dead. All of those things that resulted, we need outside intervention. This is what's so beautiful. So God intervened in creation in two ways. The first way was to reveal our need The second way was to reveal our salvation. All right? First thing that he did, he he intervened with what? The law of God. God gave Moses, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Just 10 of them, but he gave us the law of God. The law was given to us. Now, Romans chapter 7, if you look over a page, turn over a page, it's one page in my Bible, could be more in yours. Romans chapter seven, verse seven, it says this. When it talks about the law of God, what shall we say then? That the law is sin? No. What is the law? What's the purpose of the law? Why did God give us the law? By no means. In the King Jimmy, it says, God forbid. Other translation, it says, don't even think that way. What does the apostle Paul say then? Yet, if I had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, "You shall not covet." What did the law do? The law. That what's the reason of the law is to show us what sin is, and that we could not and never we could never save ourselves. See, the reason that God gave us the law was to be a mirror. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I see this thing on my face, and I want to shave it off every day. My wife likes it. So there's this internal conflict within me. Now, the mirror reveals that I need to shave. And every day I want to shave. But when I'm ready to shave this thing off my face, I'm not going to take the mirror and I'm not going to shave with it, am I? No, I'm going to pick up clippers and a razor and I'm going to shave it. Why? Because all the mirror does is reflect my need. All it does is demonstrate to me that I need to shave. It doesn't shave me. I don't use it to shave me. Same with the law of God. The law of God reveals that I need to be saved, that I don't, make up, me, that I don't measure up to the mark, that I don't, that I sin and what sin is and the fact that I can't save myself, that I need outside intervention, that I need to be saved. And I wouldn't know it unless the law said it. And that's why God brought the law. So people that think that they can keep the law to clean themselves up, the Bible says if you're in violation of one commandment, you're guilty of offending and doing them all. Man, man, I've only broken one commandment ever in my life. Well, how many, how many, how many, how many, uh, times you have to break the law to be sent to prison. If I killed just one person and I stand before the judge, I only killed one person my entire life. I still broke the law and I still have to pay for that. Even if I do a lot of good humanitarian works and even if I do all these other things to make up for that, I still broke the law. That's how God intervened in the first place. You're like, man, where's the good news? There's nothing good about this. Get to the good stuff. Well, here's the good stuff. The second thing is this, that God intervened with his son. Remember, we're out in the water, we're out in the ocean, and all of a sudden, I'm in a raft, my boat is sunk, there's no raft, I'm in a life jacket. The helicopter comes and sends down the little cable to save me. This is the cable that saves us, it's the son of God. That God intervened by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to save us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says that Christ came, died on the cross for my sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and rose again from the grave according to the scriptures. What was the reason? To save us, he came to save us. By Jesus, what did Jesus say? I didn't come to condemn the world. I came that the world through me might be saved. Saved. Why? Because we broke the law, because we're dead to sin, we're slave, we're dead because we're slaves, because we need the law revealed to us that we need to be saved. So he saved us by being born of a virgin. Means he did not have a human father, an earthly father lived a perfect life he died on the cross for our sins and bodily rose from the dead he bodily rose from the dead it wasn't just some spiritual thing no there was a brand new it was his body made better so where the superhero stuff comes in jesus got a new body his old body was transformed he bodily rose from the dead this is the great news the great news of who Christ is, what he did. And now, let us see what Jesus Christ extends to us. I'm going to blow through this quickly. There's nine things that he extends to us. There's a lot more, but I just want to go through it quickly. The first one, he extends to us eternal life. Someone would say, this is kind of narrow. Listen, it's the most fair system. It's not based upon your race. It's not based upon your color. It's not based upon your creed. It's not based upon how many good works or bad works you do. Salvation and eternal life is reserved for those of what they do with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, period. It's the most fair system. It's not narrow. It's fair. Think about it that way. I love it when people go, man, that sounds pretty narrow. And my response is this, isn't it wonderful? Wonderful. Because if I'm poor, I can still receive Christ. If I'm rich, I can still receive Christ. If I'm black, I can still receive Christ. If I'm white, I can still receive Christ. There's hope for everybody. Eternal life. Salvation. I can't go through all of these verses, but I encourage you to go back and read these verses. Jesus Christ extends to us eternal life. Salvation. Number three, payment for our sins. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. It talks about he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Christ paid for our sins with his life. Forgiveness, redemption, transformation. Why do these things resonate with us as humans? Because we were created in the image of God and we lost these things and we've been trying to get them back. And Christ, through Christ, God offers them to us. Transformation, God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still dead, that means there was nothing we could do for this. While we were still, go through the list, enslaved to sin, gonna suffer from physical death in extreme pride and selfishness, evil, evil, pain and suffering, and have an eternal void, a longing and loneliness. Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful? This is good news. This is the part where you smile and go, yeah, that's good. That's good. It's this idea. Number eight, the representation to God. We have God, Christ, now represents us before God and says, this is mine. This one is mine. He received, believed and received and repented of his sins and he's mine. We don't have to represent ourselves. I don't know if you've ever gone to court without a lawyer. I had a friend that did that. Yeah, he got the maximum of everything. I was like, bad idea. And I told him, I said, lawyer up, man, even if that doesn't matter. And I'm like, just just do it. He's like, no, man, I got this. He didn't paid dearly we have christ when we stand before the supreme judge last one number nine comfort he gives us comfort i will never leave you or forsake you you're mine i will never leave you or forsake you you're mine christ comes and gives us that 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 all that we've been longing for maybe this is a really bad day for you valentine's day stinks you don't have a valentine or for whatever reason, let me share something with you. Christ makes up the difference. And we as the church, God has commissioned us as the church to make up the difference. If you need someone to go out to lunch with afterwards, my wife and I would love to take you. What a great day. Why? Because we get to celebrate Christ each and every day and what he did on the cross and how he gloriously rose from the dead. And because he's changed us, therefore we have comfort. We have peace. There's so many more things, but I just gave nine. So here's the, here it is. Here's the, here's the end. God sustains those who have believed and received Christ. Believed and received. So what do we do now to have this good news? Pastor Sean talked about it last week. I'm gonna talk about it again this week. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and here's the gospel. Now that we've... Understand what the gospel is, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the grave. What do we must do? What must I do to be saved? Here's the beauty, and this is for us this morning. If you are here and you've never received Jesus Christ, this is it. This is the good stuff. This is what can be this is going to radically change your life. To make you more like Jesus Christ, to receive eternal life, salvation, payment for sins, forgiveness, redemption, all the things you've been longing for. What do we have to do? We have to repent of our sins. We have to repent of our sins, believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. What's the repentance for? What is that? Let me explain it to you this way I have a one year old son. He poops a lot, a lot. He fills his diaper a lot. And when he fills his diaper, he's uncomfortable and he doesn't like it, but he doesn't know what to do about it. So what does he do? He cries and he throws his arms up waiting for someone to do something about it. And he cries and cries and cries and smells and cries. And sometimes if his diaper's a little loose, he goes down and even plays in it, which is even worse, making him more of a mess. Don't judge, okay? Don't judge. And all of a sudden, as he's covered in all of his feces, he continues to cry and he waits for mom or dad after they come to change him. And what happens? There's nothing he can do to change himself. There's nothing he can do to clean up himself. He is incapable of doing that. So what is his response? His response is just to recognize I need help. And there's only one person that can really help me or two people that can really help me or really want to help me. And guess what happens? It's us, we come down. And all he has to do is not fight us. And guess what? I pick him up and I walk with him over to the changing table. And what does he do? He fights me. He fights me and I put him down. And he thinks, I'm going to be changed, but I'm going to make it as difficult as possible. But it's also this response of of gently, I put my hands down on him and I I clean him up. Repentance is us crying out before God and saying, God, I, I need help. You're the only one that can fix me. You're the only one that can help me. And I can't do it myself. Forgive me for for this mess. I'm just miserable and I I need you. Believing the fact that you're the only one that can help me and receiving that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and three days later rose again from the grave. And what does he do? He, He cleans me up. He makes me new. He transforms me. My life is different so then now the question is this, now once I've received Christ, and, and once I say yes, 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 I received this good news, I received Christ into my life, now what? Remember this is the pearl of great price, or this is the treasure in the field, you sell it all, and, and you say this is all that I want. You are all that I want, you're all that I need. It's Lent. For those of you guys who don't know what that is, it's a time where you fast. It starts on Ash Wednesday, last Wednesday, and it goes till Easter. And it's a time where you're supposed to fast, where Christians all over the world fast something. They give up something. And the idea of fasting is this. I, I want that, but I want you more, God. It's, a, it's, that, it's that idea. I want that, but I want you more. that's pretty much what fasting is. It's kind of very simplistic. And so it's this idea that, that every area of my life then now belongs to God. It belongs to Christ because he purchased me. He saved me. He cleaned me up. He adopted me as his son. He he saved me. And so the response now is this. The gospel affects every area of my life now, and I'm gonna give you four areas in which it does it. And this is important because here's the deal. If these aren't true in your life, then the gospel's not true in your life. That's the scary part. Lots of people go, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. But if you haven't repented, believed, and received, then the question is, is, I don't know if the gospel's real in your life. Maybe you haven't been cleaned up. And here they are. Number one is the gospel frees me from my sin. It frees me from my sin. And this is what this means. When the gospel frees me from my sin, it means that when I go back to my sin, I'm miserable, when I poop in my pants again and I've already been changed once, I'm miserable again. And I need to be cleaned up. But I'm 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 free. It's this. I'm no longer in prison and a slave to sin. Now the now the prison door is open and for me to sit in the prison is by my choice. It's not by, it's not, it, it, before I didn't have a choice. I was a slave to sin. I could only sin, I had a choice, and my choice was sin, period. Now, the prison door is open, and guess what? If I'm sinning or I'm living in sin, it's because I'm choosing to live in this sin, but the prison door is open, and all I have to do is walk out. It's already because Christ opened the door. It's good news. But the gospel frees me from my sin. You can read Romans 6, 18 through 20, it just talks about the freedom that comes. That I'm no longer a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to Christ because Christ has bought me and set me free. Every area of my life, and so every day, guess what? I walk around as a free man. Number two, the gospel opens me up to be kind and forgiving. Some of you say, I believe the gospel. Well, notify your face, Please. Because you ought to have the joy of the Lord. And I'm not saying in every, not 24 7, that would just get a little jokery and and weird. But it should be this idea that you should be kind to people. If the gospel of Christ has come into your life and has changed you, you ought to be the most kind and forgiving people to walk around that people would want to be around you. Not because of you, no, because of Christ in you. It's what the Apostle Paul talks about. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, but be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So we ought to go forgive others. First John chapter two, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Christ has redeemed us. Guess what? Every day, I'm free from sin. Every day, I have the option and I need to be kind and forgiving to others. Here's the deal. If you're struggling with forgiveness towards somebody that's offended you and you believe the gospel, you need to forgive them. But you don't know what they did to me. Hey, I know what they did to Jesus and he forgave them from the cross. Are you saying that you're better than Jesus? That that hits me every time. God, okay, I forgive, all right, all right. Number three, the gospel makes me generous. Generous. The stats, and here's the deal, and I don't know all the stats, but I do know this, that there's a portion of this congregation that are regular attenders that haven't given anything to the Beyond campaign. And at the end of the day, my response is, why? Why? If God's called us to be a generous people, then find something that, find a church then that you want to be generous to. If God saved you, then go be generous. You should be generous with your time. You should be generous with your money. You should be generous. You should be generous people. I mean, you can read this. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. The gospel makes me generous. The Bible says, give till it tickles. That's, a, that's an Andrew Rhodes paraphrase, but give till you laugh. Given in hilarity is, is really what the word means in Greek. And it should be so hilarious that you're giving so much that you're like, why in the world am I doing this? I can't help myself. It's the gospel. Because gospel makes me generous. Finally, this, the gospel allows me to, and this is for Valentine's Day, love unselfishly. The gospel allowed me to love unselfishly. Matthew chapter 25, 35, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Because we recognize that we're not loving ourselves, we recognize that we're loving beyond ourselves. We're loving Christ when we love somebody else. If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Here's my question to you Have you received the gospel? You believed and received the gospel. It's an area in your life that the gospel's not affecting your life. We are coastal because we believe the gospel. And we just don't believe it. We want to live it. Would you live it with us? Would you believe it with us? If you've never received Jesus Christ, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You pray and receive Jesus. Repent, believe and receive Jesus Christ in this moment. And the Bible says that Christ will come in and change you. We're going to take an offering and be dismissed for us to be able to live out the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I pray, Lord God, we would not be hearers of the word only, but we would be doers. If there's somebody here who doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would have them call out to you now. Lord God, that they would ask for forgiveness of their sins. They would believe that you died on the cross for their sins and rose again from the grave and by faith receive you into their lives. Lord Jesus, if there's somebody here, I pray that they would call out to you now and say, save me. Lord Jesus, in the Bible, your word says that you will save us. We love you and we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord Jesus, help us to be generous in this next few moments as we give our tithes and our offerings to you, Lord God. We love you. We love you. And because we love you, Lord God, we can't help but want to give to you. And give generously, Lord. Thank you for saving us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.